are go for liftoff in T minus 30. Hit the record button. episode will probably be part one of two or three we'll tell we'll see um anyhow this episode we're going to be talking about psychopaths or psychopathy in, in, in particular so the disclaimer goes like this and i'm just going to run through it because this is very long guys um yeah so i'd like to give you guys a disclaimer before diving into the topic for today If you, the listener, feel triggered or need help with your mental health, because let's be honest, everybody needs help or everybody needs therapy, uh, make sure to see or talk to a professional psychologist and or therapist in your area. All I attempt to do in this episode, as well as the upcoming episodes regarding mental health, is to raise awareness of the mental, verbal, physical, sexual, spiritual, abuse we had to endure and overcome. We are all, to a certain degree, survivors of abusive mothers and fathers. And now that we've grown and made it through the worst, have come together to share our experience. That's my, that's my main goal in, in Joshua's goal in talking about mental health. And I hope that uh, the listeners will seek help if you ever feel triggered or threatened, or feel depressed um, after listening to these topics. Um, like you said, Joshua, and I'm going to quote what you said earlier, or what you wrote to me, it's important to remind uh, the viewers or listeners that we have a personal experience and we're sharing experience with you so that you can have the tools to survive and thrive. Uh, we're not doctors psychiatrists, uh, experts. So please listen to this fully aware of that. And if you need to contact a friend, a local healthcare professional, a doctor, the police, um, should you ever need help, please do that. Someone's waiting at the end of the, at the other end of the hotline to support and help you. That's a very long disclaimer, guys. That was good. I, I think that you covered some ground on on uh, talking to our viewers about um, who we are. I mean, I, I do want to speak to that and say that for a, a long time, all of this stuff was very private to me. And only recently, within the last uh, maybe five years, I've decided to share my personal experience because I know 
now that I'm not the only person going through this. So it's become more of a personal engagement and less of a private victimized sort of scenario. As, as a personal experience, I see it more as a, as a, a sur- like a, I'm, I am a survivor now because I realized I was a victim. I didn't, when I was a victim, I didn't know I was a victim. So I'd I, I like that you said that, that you made the difference. Oh yeah. Well, we're, mm-hmm. we were talking about how I don't like the word survivor. Um, maybe because uh, Beyonce kind of ruined it for me. Uh-oh. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I like Beyonce, but uh, or Destiny's Child. Um, I'm just, I just don't know. Let's think like, about, not, yeah. How about we think about Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive from the 70s. Disco. I heard that song yesterday, last year. My God. Okay. Ah. Let's, let's stop right there because I, I do have a, I like that song. Energy. She, we see she, each other. She had, uh, she had the clear boundaries. Yeah. Walk out the door. Don't come around now because you're not welcome anymore. Wow. It, it's pretty pretty poignant to our topics here. Yeah. Right. So let's let's dive right into it because guys, psychopathy is um, a bitch. <laughs> it is, and they don't care. <laughs> Literally, they don't care. No, they don't care. <laughs> So let's and, talk about it because I, I, I didn't know that it was called anti-social, well, let me read, read my notes, but it's an anti-social personality disorder, right? Am I correct? Yeah, it's, yeah, psychopathy is also known as the uh, anti-social personality disorder, yes. Right. So let's from, my studies, from what I've studied so far, that's what the, the diagnostic manual, that's what it says. Right. Right, right. Well, that's what we're going by, right? It's the, the terms and the terms and conditions, as they say. Yes. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dive into it because I wasn't aware until last week. Oh, I was, actually, I was. But uh, there's a difference between, between narcissism, psychopathy, and socio- sociopathy. Yes, yes. And we'll, we'll get to that. I, I do want to tell our uh, viewers and listeners, the definition of psychopathy, which is, it's, it's, a, it's a neuropsychiatric disorder uh, marked by deficient emotional responses of lack of empathy, uh, poor behavioral controls, and it, it commonly results in a persistent antisocial deviance. Okay, and that's what we're dealing with here. They have no idea how to deal with people. Mm. And that in and of itself leads into uh, criminal behavior. And we get, the, we get the popular serial killer or mm-hmm. serial rapist um, in, in popular terms. Right, because I always, whenever, whenever I, you, you, you said that last week, um, psychopaths, mm-hmm. I, I kind of always picture uh, American Psycho a murderer, uh, a criminal, and, and a person that has like, well, obviously they have uh, an issue with uh, reality. Um, and yeah, they have no sympathy, they have no remorse, and they have no, uh, but there's a difference between, I, I read earlier that there's a difference between sociopaths, where sociopaths 
I don't know the well, I, I have to read it, but it's the, I guess it's so, um, psychopathy. They know what they're doing. They don't really have a empathy and they do it on purpose and they, they know what they're doing and they have no remorse, correct? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you some misconceptions. Okay. Okay. And let me first start off by, there's a lot of overlap. Okay. And people are using these words interchangeably. They shouldn't be doing that. There, there's many differences between these words and these conditions and these, uh, these uh, adjectives and these uh, descriptive terms. So for example, uh, psychopathy, uh, one misconception is that psychopathy is the same thing as having an antisocial personality disorder. They're two different things, but they're related. They're related. One begets the other, depending on the pattern of that person as a child, and also depending on who they are as an adult. Keep that in mind throughout the, the rest of these, these uh, videos in these uh, series about this. They are not interchangeable. Now, another misconception is that psychopathy is the same thing as a psychopath. And I think we spoke about that earlier. Psychopaths are born. Sociopaths are made. I will go into that in detail later. And also, um, another misconception is that mass shooters are psychopaths. I'm not going to go into that because that right there goes back to what I said earlier about the patterns that lead up to it. And that's what we're dealing with here. You and I are not doctors. And even doctors have trouble diagnosing because it takes time to sit down with somebody for six to nine months and get to know them because they may not tell you for the first six to nine months who they are. They may just try to work, work their magic and charm on you as a person. And you'll have to figure out if that's a pattern or if they're just a charming person, whatever the case may be. So leading into another misconception is that psychopaths uh, cannot effectively be treated. We also talked earlier about psychopaths. They do not go into therapy themselves. They have to have a court order or they have to have some sort of facility appoint them into those environments. And that's how we, the people, uh, start to learn more about them being in our communities, people who have been born in this way. And lastly, I like to say another misconception of psychopathy is um, I would say the early problems in childhood indicate psychopathy. The misconception there is that a lot of people like to assume that when a child is not having a good time, there's something wrong with them. When the child shows patterns of introversion, there's something wrong with them. No, because introversion and psychopathy and antisocial personality disorder are three different things. I'm an introvert. When it comes to personality assessment tests, I am a INTJ, okay? Introvert, intuitive, thoughtful, judgmental person. Now, I would like everybody to go check out 16personalities.com and take a test and see who you are and what your personality and what your four letters are. It's a very fun exercise. You can believe it, you cannot believe it, but it's very fun to see where you sit on the personality spectrum. So anyway, Introversion is not psychopathy. I want to make that point. And I think that a lot, I've read from what I've read and from people I've talked to and from my own experiences that a lot of people say that any problems in childhood, they must be a psychopath. That's not true. 
yeah well i i got this information from youtube so <laughs> anyway great place um, to learn it's a great place to learn <laughs> no it is it actually is but there's also many misconceptions that now there's uh there's people out there who i've seen on TikTok and and social media who claim themselves to be narcissists or sociopaths or psychopaths whatever who now are um gaining momentum since we're all talking about mental health right and so they're they're now um, attracting people and they're asking him questions and they're you know he's answering the questions yeah i used to do that i used to do that and that's what a sociopath sociopath or uh, narcissist so they're talking about these things like you said as if they were an expert and all they're doing is basically getting gaining more um, cloud and getting more momentum on social media. And social media, by the way, I think is the biggest or the worst part or the worst for a psychopath. I think it, it develops them or it makes them feel more egocentric. And it's my channel and it's, it's my, you know, it's my shit. And you don't, you're not gonna come here and tell me what to say and, and what to think differently than me. I've seen that a lot on on social media. Um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, um, that's what I've noticed. I don't know if you have noticed that. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of people I follow and study in this community, mental health community, they talk about uh, social uh, social media being a narcissist's playground. It's probably the worst thing to ever happen to mental health. <laughs> Social media is the worst thing to ever happen to mental health. And anybody who suffers from a narcissistic personality, they either love social media or hate social media. When it comes to psychopaths, they don't care. They don't care. When it comes to sociopaths, they don't care either. However, it doesn't look like they don't care. There's a big difference there. And like, and like we said, we'll talk about that on a later date. But specifically, give a, give a laptop, give the internet to a psychopath. I think it's like giving anything to a child. anybody who has ill intentions or whatever their intentions may be. A, a computer just makes it faster, more accessible. Right, right. Yeah, and it's... Uh... It's true, but many of them are very good. Um, they call them uh, very charming, very uh, very charming, very uh, outspoken, very. Uh, they seem to be very well put together. Um, I, you know, that's most of us. Well, hey, <laughs> let's, let's, let me give you. Let me give you. Let me give us a one-on-one, a crash course on the different uh, characteristics and traits from a, a, a psychopathic person. Uh, for example, let's say, uh, let's just start with saying that psychopathy is a disorder of self-esteem, okay? They have trouble regulating their self-esteem, period. Now, with that being said, they come off as glib, shallow they have shallow charm you know it when you see it it's hard to say what that is i cannot speak to that but you know it when you see it you know it when you feel it 
uh, and they're probably super smart. Yeah, so a person, no. a person who likes to chat, 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 chat about their favorite wines and about their high schools and about high school teams, their their colleges and the people that they meet, they name drop, they do all these grandiose things. Especially in Hollywood. Especially, especially that world. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They, they lack empathy. They're, they're grandiose. They're entitled. They, they seek validation. They have, they do that stuff. They do all of that stuff. But the difference that makes a psychopath different than any, any of these disorders is that they have no guilt or no shame about any of it. Okay. None. Like I keep saying, they don't care. And people need to know to, As opposed to a narcissist. Yes. Narcissists, they feel an immediate sense of, of guilt and shame. And mm -hmm. narcissists don't want you to, don't want you, don't want anybody to know that they feel guilt and shame. That's where all the other characteristics come from. Okay. They're protecting a, a fractured sense of self that they don't want you to know that they have, remember, because they're larger than life. Right. They, they build their, their armor. They build their armor and they don't want you to see who is underneath. Correct. Yes. Yes. Serial killers, serial rapists, hired assassins, and even, as I like to say, the people that we call upper management in business, okay? Uh-huh. They're the ones that come in and say, we're here to clean house. And what they do is they fire everybody. They don't care whose paycheck they're cutting off. They don't care about you. Those people are typically psychopaths that work in those environments. Okay. They're the, they're the same people. I'm sorry to say. They're the same people that say, we're going to create this metaverse, guys. We're going to create this <laughs> wonderful universe. You're going to love it. We're going to be all together in this. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I thought I was like, that's right there, a psychopath. Right I, I, <laughs> but it's very smart. You know, I will, I will love to be a fly on the wall during his therapy sessions, assuming, <laughs> he, assuming he has therapy. I would love to just sit there and take a notes and just learn everything I'm I sure. can about I'm a sure. person like that. He doesn't understand that he's, there's something wrong with him. That's all, that's all I have to say about that. They rarely do. see what's wrong with what he's saying. Every single word is a lie. Well, remember, remember, psychopaths don't care. Right. Whether it's wrong or right, they don't care. They're just here to do what they're here to do. Well, he immediately said he didn't care. We're talking about Mark Zuckerberg. Hello. They're, they're here. It, they're, they're here. <laughs> they, okay, how about this? Let, let's talk about this. This is something I'm really interested in, in talking about because this is something I've recently have learned about the human body. See, we have a autonomic nervous system, okay? A place that holds all of our sympathetic nervous systems. And that's classically known as the flight and flight uh, defense mechanism system. Oh, yeah. Also now known as fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Fawn is right. the newest of this, okay? So we know that, right? Now, if we do something that causes our heart or brain to go through a sort of like nerve sensational roller coaster, okay? That, that is usually triggered by fear of consequence, When we know that something's going to proceed, an action that we take, we go through the emotions. We go through stress. All that stuff happens, okay? Now, psychopaths, they have a similar system, except they don't go through the roller coasters, period. They, they have something different going on. They don't know what that roller coaster is, per se. Like, they don't get stressed out in the same way. They don't care. They don't care who gets hurt. 
And and what we're what we're talking about earlier too with the disclaimer is that you know saying like talk to a friend or talk to and you were saying like no, well be careful well, when you do because they they might especially relatives because they might still talk about that for a minute because you were saying that that might not be the right way to approach them or approach I say them. I say that if you have people in a circle that you trust definitely let them know what's going on with you. Even if you do have people you can trust, let the authorities know as well. When I, when I say authorities, I mean hotlines, police, mental health facilities, let them know what's going on along with your circle. Because when you're dealing with a psychopath, you're essentially dealing with a person who does not care about you. So they don't have anything to lose. Now they do, but when it comes to their ego, their fragile ego, they will kill you over that. They will try to destroy you in some kind of way. If they don't kill you, they're going to try to destroy you in some kind of way, which is a form of death, if you ask me. So if you find yourself alone, definitely move swiftly. And I'm going to get to this at the very end of, the, of this episode of psychopathy. But I want people to know that doing this alone, definitely make sure you get professionals in your corner. Cover those bases because they're not going to stop. Yeah, as much as we like to, you know, I'm talking about my mother or talking about my, you know, and I would, I'm not even going to say what they are because I don't really know what they are. They might be narcissists, they might be psychopaths, they might be sociopaths. I don't know what they are. But I'm just saying like, um, yeah, the, the way you have to be really careful when you speak to them. Um, whether they show narcissistic behavior or whether they're deceiving in some way. In plain words, just be careful. Just be careful what you say because if you confront them, they will fight you to the end. They will deny it. They will keep lying. They will apologize, but they will still keep lying, which is what happened to me. And so it's, it's really hurtful because you, you, you want to believe these people. You want to believe that they're honestly sorry and they're honestly going to change and they will do what they say and they don't do it and you're like why did i trust them again mm -hmm. and, and that's that's another thing too if you can like for instance with with childhood um like i said psychopaths are born and a sociopath is made but with psychopaths uh, before the age of 15 they will show you signs such as uh, skipping school or violence towards other kids uh, truancy, stealing, setting fires, all the classic stuff we've heard about. Yeah. Now, this is why psychopaths are diagnosed with antisocial behavior. When you're with somebody who seems to not care at all about you, when you start breaking out of their control, you will see their darker side of how much they don't care about you. And that's when we have a lot of partners saying, well, they used to be so much da 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 I wish we can go back to da 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 Okay, well, they were never that person. They lied to you. They manipulated you. They used you for whatever they desired, got you in that connection, in that bond, trauma bond, and controlled you. You thought you had a relationship when you were actually trauma bonded. And the, the saddest part about this is that we typically don't know this until it's too late. 
especially when we realize, wait a second, something's different. I feel different. They don't know what I feel different means. All they know is you're losing, I'm losing control of you. Get back in line. Right. And they're losing control. They're losing their supplies. Like we said. Yes. yes. Supply and their energy, they don't have the power anymore. And so, <clears throat> yeah, they, they, they kick and scream. They, they, they literally do. Sometimes they do cry. Sometimes it seems like they're truly right. sorry. And yet they turn around and do the opposite. And, th and that's why they have a different type of autonomic nervous system. A lot of them get rageful. A term, um, rageaholic, I think is a term that's being said, that's being talked about right now. They get rageful. So it's that's why we say they lack empathy because they they have enough of something to say ouch i don't like how that feels now i'm mad they have a the lack of the lack of empathy that they have is toward themselves enough to know ouch that hurts and then all of a sudden that's your fault you need to stop you need to go back to where we were you need to do what i said right. huh. yeah metaverse anyway um metaverse yeah talking about metaverse not kidding guys i'm all that i'm on i'm on a thing going on with metaverse i just find it so disturbing but let's talk about it in another episode of italo's black Tech radio because now we're still talking about psychopath psychopathy and we're going into the dynamics with family and specifically childhood because part one of our lives we're not in charge of um, even even if we're given the <laughs> we're given the key to or we're given the keys of the house sometimes you know what I mean or being uh, told or being told that you're the man of the house before you're 10 years old yeah exactly which is what happened so but yeah let's talk about it childhood well I just wanted to um, bring back bring some light back to the idea that uh, psychopaths are born and sociopaths are made. That's, I want to say that's a very controversial statement because we're still trying to figure out doctors, especially, but us nerds like myself are, are trying to uh, research and study and figure out if, if there's a psychopath gene. If, if there is, then there, there might be other genes to other things, which means I think um, it would be great if society would reconcile what's wrong, what's right, with our gene pool and figure out if we can see these things before they come. Anyway, that's a whole other scientific discussion. Psychopaths, we'll say psychopaths are born and sociopaths are made. Now, before the age, what's really important to me is the patterns of childhood. For instance, before the age of 15, uh, they will show signs of, of um, truancy, uh, stealing, setting fires, violence towards other kids. Uh, skipping school, they, they exhibit this pattern of irritability where they don't know how to deal life with other people. Basically. Or bullying, bullying too goes into that. Especially bullying, yeah. Yeah, because they, if you're in their way, they will bully you. Uh, see, that's the thing about a psychopath. They don't care, remember, they don't care. And they're typically alone. Now, if they're bullied as a psychopath, if they're a psychopath and they're bullied, if they, if they exhibit patterns, it just, that's why I said it depends on the different patterns. 
because if they're truly antisocial, they're not going to put themselves in that situation to be around people. They will be that kid who skips school, if you know what I mean. They won't be there. Yeah. Now, not all, not even most, because this is rare. But that's why it's difficult to diagnose anybody under the age of 18 with a, a, a personality disorder, because there's so many, so many patterns to, 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 to go through and to discover and what kind of parents were there, what's the environment like, what were they born as, how, how were they born. And there's another thing too called a PET scan that a PET scan is relatively new. If you could check out literally the brain, if, if, a, if a feeling, if, you, if a person experiences a feeling while under a PET scan, that part of the brain will light up. Now, typically psychopaths lack empathy. So if you say, yeah. have an empathetic conversation with them to see if they have it, that part of the brain might not light up like mm-hmm. a typical person who has empathy. I say typical mm-hmm. person because typical people have empathy. Psychopaths are rare. Mm-hmm. So, well, speaking of that, you just, you just reminded me of uh, James Bond, for instance, or spy movies, or if you think about it, they are the perfect psychopaths or the perfect spies because they have no remorse. They, they can be put into, into the lie detector and, and come out. And they will pass it because they don't care. Right. <laughs> and James Bond is definitely a psychopath, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> but we're not gonna, yeah, I don't want to get into movies because I can I can go on and on, but yeah, absolutely, uh, womanizers and they they treat women and they treat people as objects uh, as obviously uh, not at least at least not I know that narcissistic people do that. I don't know. I I believe psychopaths are in the same group, correct? Uh, well, like I said earlier. They're not to be used interchangeably because they're so different. Okay, sorry about that. Well, hey, no need to be sorry. We, we this is difficult, and I think that now that the world is getting closer to understanding mental health, we we got to start looking at the differences. It's time to get it's time to get the science of psychology to uh, <clears throat> forgive my French, move their ass, and start actually talking more about what this means and being able to communicate this with the public at large. Right. Yeah, which is, which is what's missing in education. I mean, if you really want to educate your kids, this, yes. should be, this should be, at least in high school or middle school, they should be talking about this. Because let's face I don't know it. what they don't. Let's face it, this starts at home. Yeah. However, if you have parents who suffer from these things, Right. That's so when you, society steps in, but society. But if society doesn't know what it's doing, then we just have a mess all the way around, and then the courts take over at that point. And you know how that goes? They always go for the parents, or they go for the mother, because the mother and, can do no wrong, and she can do no wrong, and ultimately the child suffers because while she can do no wrong, the child ends up going back with the very person they don't need to be around. Yeah. But our society is very geared leaning toward the mother figure and now we're learning that women particularly can not like men but can have these mental deficiencies so what's the difference between a female psychopath and a male psychopath in your opinion or in, in my your opinion study 
in my deep nerd wormhole study system, I do want to talk more about the specifics of that in the next series. But, oh, okay. but I will say that women typically have more of an association with borderline personality, BPD, or secondary psychopathy. Okay. So I that's will say that. That's on another chapter then. Yes, but, we'll get there. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, mothers can be psychopaths. Let's just yes. say it right now, because yes. if, if you haven't seen Mommy Dearest, come on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So what else can we talk about as far as childhood is concerned? Because I, I think what you were saying earlier on the, on the previous um, chapter or episode is that <clears throat> we tend to formulate this image of mother or father or guardian, right? And we still believe that that version of them is, is true at least to us you know so we can make sense of it um so that's that that comes up from childhood i think where you 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 see them as parents or as gods not parents they they can do anything to you but they're your parents and and they're gods and they created you quote unquote mm-hmm. uh, so they think that they are, they're entitled to do whatever they want because they are the mother and father figure right Absolutely. Yeah, I think what you touched on is what uh, Dr. Susan Forward says in her book, Toxic Parents. She calls them, it's actually the first chapter, the godparent. And the godparents, they can do no wrong. There it is right there. They can do no wrong and they're perfect. Sorry, can't see this. <laughs> I'm checking. It's, uh, it says it's toxic there. parents. There you go. Yeah. That's it, guys. Get it. I haven't read it yet, but I'm, I'm going to be diving into it for our next chapters here. So, yes, get it. Absolutely. And speaking of toxic parents, they, at some point, they will need to be confronted. And I would like to talk about confrontation with the psychopath, if you would like to start discussing that. Let's do it. When it confronts us, yeah. What's what's important? I think about if first of all, I don't think anybody should confront a psychopath. First of all, however, if you're a person like me, who who has a very confrontational personality, Mm -hmm. I was confronting psychopaths before I knew they were psychopathic in in attitude and. And behavior. Now, I don't know if I was actually dealing with psychopaths, but now that I look back at it, I could have been. So since I've been studying, also too, I watch a lot of horror films. So in understanding that, I've always thought to myself, how, if I could prevent triggering a psychopath, would that make it any easier? Maybe or maybe not. But early repat, excuse me, early research on psychopathy suggests that the disorder is often stemmed from issues relating two-parent-child attachment. So everything we just discussed 10 minutes ago has a direct relationship with how that psychopath becomes a a member of human society. Mm -hmm. They don't care, but they will take the residual effect that you get from your environment as a child. They will take that with them. And if they're smart, 
they'll cover themselves with that and act normal while still working to get their agenda across. Right. However, there's the thing about boundaries, right? So confrontation versus boundaries is different. Because boundaries is just, um, I think it's different because at least you're protecting yourself from, from the harmful things that they will say to you or how, you know, sometimes they, they use the victim card or sometimes they use the emotional, uh, they pull you in that way. That's how they, my parent, my, my father, my mother did that. A toxic uh, parents will definitely use manipulation because of their lack of self-esteem, their inadequate disposition within themselves. They will victimize themselves and make you fall towards them if, if it's worked on you before and they'll use the parent-child attachment to, wa to wager that type of a connection. Well, they, she always used that. She always used that. I rescue you from your father. Uh, or I, I save you from, from his uh, grip. And, you know, you remember what happened. You remember how we moved and how we did this and how we did that. And so she bring me back to that eight-year-old that thought it was his fault, right? So she brought, she brought me back on purpose every time because she knew that that would be the way to get me back under her control. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was really hard for me to, to confront her because she would take me there every time. I couldn't even face her uh, a picture of her when I was trying to do shadow work and talking to her picture. I couldn't talk to the picture. Mm. I literally could not talk to the picture. It was the freakiest thing. And my friend was like, talk to her right now. And I couldn't. And I was like, I was adamant that day. I was like, she's a fucking bitch. And she did this to me. And she did. Then she, then she, he showed me the picture and I'm like, um, but she looks sad and she looks like a victim. <laughs> Look at her. She's old. And, you know, like I couldn't do it. And it was just uh, disheartening for me. I'm like, fuck, I can't, I can't do it. I can't face her. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, am, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to pr protect myself? Mm -hmm. And then I realized it's boundaries. It's, it's staying away or it's just gray wall or however you want to call it. <laughs> well, for Don't some of us, no contact. Yeah, no contact is the ultimate best, guys. I'm telling you. But I have done no contact with both my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family. And what's interesting about my history is that uh, I've been on the road to no contact ever since I was five years old, ever since before I was 10 years old. I've always have known there's something wrong going on around here. I've always known that. So, but that concept has laid dormant in me all these years until I became an adult. And all of that trauma started to replay itself whenever I felt discomfort. Mm -hmm. So how was that like? What was that like when you finally, did you ever confront your mother? And I what did. happened? I did. I did. I did it the right way and I did it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's like basically do what I say and not what I do. Else I do. Yeah. And then I did many rights and many wrongs. 
And that's how I knew it was time for a no contact. That's how I knew the relationship was over because it was a roller coaster. Nobody in that situation was learning from each other. And I include myself in that because at that time, when I would put myself there, where, where was it going? And that was the question. If we're going to move forward together, we must be willing to go back and understand the problem that got us to our current state. And if I'm going back, back to the back and current, back current, and that person who I'm talking to, specifically my mom or her family or their families, if they're not willing to go back and forward and I'm the one doing it, I'm causing myself yeah. autonomic responses that are driving me to an early grave. Yeah. So the choice comes down to, for me, it came down to, well, was there ever a relationship to begin with? No. Right. So when I don't know contact, not a healthy one, at least. What am I actually losing? Right. So once I got that concept, I was able to move forward towards, um, I was able to survive, to leave that victimhood, survive, and eventually, as we say now, thrive. Yeah. And, and, and you are correct. There was no healthy, I would say, I put it this way. I, I love math and I like to put things in percentages. 80% of the time, there was toxicity. I hope that puts it into perspective. I, I really believe in the 2080 rule. Mm. 20% of the time, it was, it was what, what was necessary that needed to be done was done. 80% of the time was the nightmare. Well, talking about math, uh, I like what you said that because, and right before up to the point where I had to confront her, right? Mm -hmm. I, was, I was saying every day, 1%, 1%, 1 is good eventually we'll get to 90, whatever, you know what I mean? Like it will take that long. And sometimes it jumps to 10 points or five points. It's like, okay, you know, that, that's like awesome. But sometimes you regress and sometimes you lose your percentage and it's, 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 it's going to be messy guys. It's going to be very mm -hmm. messy because it's going to, I, I fell back into it just two weeks ago. I fell right back into it, into the same pattern and same line and say and i believe that because the psychopath my psychopathic mom or narcissistic mom had me believe her mm -hmm. yet again she proved it right there she was lying again oh my god are you doing this again and i had to say that i'm like you're doing this again you're doing this again that's why i'm out of here bye <laughs> gotta get out of here and that works it yeah that's a boundary yeah. right there that's a boundary. You have a, a level of what you're going to put up with and what you're not going to put up with. And that's your choice. Yeah. And um, I like that you mentioned narcissism with, with uh, psychopathy, because that's actually the next half of what triggers a psychopath. Okay. It's the, the there's a spectrum of psychopathy, the higher and the lower. Now the lower side of that spectrum of psychopathy, they are closer to narcissism. Psychopathy, psych excuse me, psychopathy, narcissism. Okay. So there are three things, emotional deprivation, rejection, and lack of affection will trigger a psychopath closer in the spectrum to narcissism. Okay. It, it, it will trigger their shame, rage cycle. You may know that, you may not know that, 
But when they start to change, you will know that, especially when you're paying attention. And then they will start all their manipulation tactics. They will start their devaluing. They will do debating. They will do everything and not debating. They'll start baiting you into them. Sort of like a spider and a fly. Come, come in, come over here, come here. You know me. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. They'll break down. They will trigger your your sympathetic nervous system, okay? That's your defense mechanism, fight or flight. These days we talk about freeze and fawn. And I think based off of my study, I think what you have experienced with your mom is uh, freeze. Totally, totally freeze. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I was going right, right, right into people pleasing her or fawning, pleasing her. Fawning. That's fawn. the fawn stage right there. Yeah. Which oh my God, you're so great. You're so wonderful. Oh, you have a new haircut? You're doing all of this yeah. to lessen. <clears throat> and it was, it was an attack, yes. and I was, I was aware of it, too, when I was doing it. I was like, yeah, I noticed that you're, 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 dude, you're walking now because she's diabetic. And so I was, I, was say, I was saying things to uplift her and stuff and to distract her from, or she was distracting me, and I was distracting her. <laughs> so it was like a battle. <laughs> hey, battle we, call, the, we, we call that a psychological cage match. <laughs> it was, totally. <laughs> I wish I had recorded it, but anyway. See my head. <laughs> That's another thing. Like when you, when you, when I, I I'm talking, I'm speaking about myself. Mm -hmm. um, you, you begin questioning yourself. You begin questioning, did I say that? Because they, they guys like you left and right. And you're like, I'm pretty sure I said that. I'm pretty sure I mailed that. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure I put this in the mail. Or the bill was there and now it's not there. Where do you, where do you put it? I, I mean, you're the only one in the house. <laughs> right where else it's not gonna walk on its own so i'm like you you must have put it somewhere else because i wasn't home at the time but when i was living with her and then she would blame me like you didn't pay this you didn't pay that it's like where's the bill she would hide the bill i'm like are you doing this on pro <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> i had to go i had to i basically had to go away and, the, and i was always um in this case i was um um flight I had to fly. I had to. Mm -hmm. I had to go away. Exactly. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> like at that time, at that point in time, that's all I could do is just fly. And then there's and then there's the cognitive dissonance and then the rumination that comes after that of should I have done that? Oh my god, that was terrible. I'm a bad person now. I think that comes from childhood. It goes back to that parent-child attachment we were discussing earlier. That we haven't healed that part of our life. So that part of our life comes up whenever we feel those emotions. That's why emotional regulation is so important. That's what makes us adults. That's what makes children different from adults because we're supposed to know how to regulate those emotions. Well, sometimes if we haven't dealt with those emotions as adults, we go back to being a child and our parents bring out our childishness whenever they're acting childish because what else are we supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. So she will run around, play games, and hide things from you and justify in her head it's okay because I'm mommy. And she would turn around and say, Oh, you're forgetful. You know, you got you know the family, you that's called, that's called relationship. Oh, she would sorry. Actually tell me, she would tell me that I'm I have Alzheimer's. I'm like, I'm I'm what? <laughs> I'm just I just forgot my keys. Like, how how is that Alzheimer's? 
So now she's shaming you, one, and two, blame shifting to make you feel bad about you so she can feel superior. Classic textbook, classic textbook uh, narcissism. But I can't call her or diagnose her with that. No. It's her her patterns that you've told me about and her behavior that reveal that type of um, But she shows a lot of... She shows a lot of the uh, definition. Yeah. By the DSM-5. Textbook. She's totally textbook. (laughs) Yeah, I was looking at the different things. Uh, Sorry that we're taking a long time on this one, but I was noticing all these things that they're describing, how they describe the psychopath. Mm -hmm. And on every single thing, I'm like, I can see that. I can see that in my mother. I can see that in my, some of my relatives or my ex-friends who were not never friends to begin with so it's interesting like okay oh that'll happen at work too you know at work mm-hmm. is the biggest oh yeah yeah top and three types type three psychopaths ceos doctors and clergymen policemen too we can put them in there somewhere yeah yeah well, what I was, what she was saying when that was before we got on, uh, I was, I was listening to this video where she says they need to have this constant um, predictability mm-hmm. in their lives, and they're very impulsive. So that's why they tend to be in those in the army. Not, not, not talking about you know anybody in particular. I'm just saying that that's what they, and they're they're not all psychopaths. <laughs> not saying that either, <laughs> but you know. If you see the videos that we've seen over and over again, those are true psychopaths. I'm sorry. Well, that's why it's important to have a doctor evaluate these people to see if there were any patterns before they were 15 years old. Yeah. A lot of people are afraid to go back to the first 10 years of their life. Why? Because that's where the truth is. No, not only that, but they break them down in, in the army, in the book camps. They really literally break their spirit out because they have to be compliant. And I've talked to veterans, so it's not like I haven't, you know, I'm talking from my, I haven't been a veteran. But mm-hmm. I, I was speaking to the veterans that I had in my, in my podcast, and they talk about how they had to be broken down um, to enter, you know, the war zone and go to Afghanistan or be uh, in service. So, yeah, how do you come back from that and expect to be okay and then go to the police, and join the police force? Uh, are you serious? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's... Jesus that's, Christ. You know, and I think we've, we've talked, I think I mentioned that I study a lot of um, criminology also. So, and, and a lot of crime is committed by those people. Yeah. And I'm even so bold to say that's not a, a, a people trait. I'm willing to go out and say that's monstrous. And I think that that's a, another controversial thing is that they're people. We have to treat them like people. We have to rehabilitate. Yeah, they do need therapy. However, they're not going to go get therapy, one. And two, yeah. let's call it what it is. They don't care about killing people. Right. What do, what do we do with an individual, a monstrous individual, that doesn't mind killing people, that doesn't mind raping women or men, children, anybody, what do we do with those people? And I'm still looking forward to seeing how our society 
in the future handles that question. Yeah. Because we have two things. We have prison and then we have rehabilitation. And then for the kids, we have juvenile hall, juvenile detention centers. We have those three things there. In my humble opinion, as the metaverse takes over our already dystopic society, I think that we need to have a better regulation on what goes on in those three different facilities from juvenile detention centers to prison to rehabilitation for people who are born to do what they're born to do and for people who are groomed and made to be yeah. what they were made to be. Remember, be all you can be, right? That's what they say. Uncle be Sam. all you can be. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> it gets scary, my friend. It gets very, this stuff is very yeah. scary because then morality and politics come in and then it gets confusing. Yeah. I mean, politics, let's, yeah. let's not even talk science. about it. But yeah, we, we have the science. Exactly. And we have the science, add morality to it, and it gets a little messy. Right. Yeah. Add theology to it, and it's all out war. Mm -hmm. That's what just happened. And with that being said, would you like to talk about how to protect yourself from a psychopath? Yes. Yes. I'm scared. It's scary. It's it's literally like I said earlier. I watch a lot. I'm of laughing. Films. I'm laughing, but I'm not really. Uh, it's not funny, guys. <laughs> and let me tell you, like it's it's not funny. <laughs> Some of us deal with this stuff through humor because of what uh, our our fight, flight, fight, freeze, fawn defense systems. The way we deal with stress, we have to laugh sometimes. Uh, I like. I like B-movies, I like horror films, I like exploitation films, I like all of that stuff. I always have had an interest of why our society has these things going on in it. And so when I think about how to protect yourself from a psychopath, these are things that I've done, that I've protected myself before I even got the opportunity to meet a psychopath. So I would say, keep your emotions in check and regulate your emotions. So when you feel like you have triggered a psychopath, stop right there and zoom in on what they're doing and be careful because at that point you've set them off and you may have to do some damage control and let them know what you mean. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. That just depends on the type of psychopath you're dealing with, <clears throat> which yeah. leads me to say, don't show that you're intimidated because they smell fear again. Yeah. Regulate your emotions, okay? Don't buy into their stories. They're gonna tell you some, some things. Now, if you do buy into them, just be sure you talk to them and try to figure out if the story is legit. I'm a trusting person. I like to say, I trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. Well, not, not to uh, take it back to horror movies, but... Mm -hmm. The most scary movie of all time was The Exorcist. Yes. And what's the most scarier part of The Exorcist is when, she, when, when uh, Karis, the exorcist, or the other exorcist, goes in the room and she turned into the mother. <laughs> mm -hmm. That freaked the heck out of me. I'm like, 
why you did this? Why did you do this to me, Jimmy? Why you do this to me? And I'm like, are oh, you serious right now? That's the smartest thing you could have done is turning to the mother. Oh my God. And that's why he wow. lost it. He lost it. He's like, you gotta get out of here. The other, uh, Marin was his name, the other, the actual yeah. Nexus. Get out of here. You're out. You can't deal with this. This is too much. She's just taking you where you, you know what I mean? Taking you to the childhood or to what just happened to your mom. She died and the guilt and oh my god get out. <laughs> get out the shame the manipulation so uh where were we um in the middle of the exorcism um my father called so that's what happened but <laughs> uh kidding aside the, the warfare that goes on between uh narcissistic psychopathic whatever you want to call mother and son is interesting because in that in that in that scenario you can see the manipulation is clear to see how the devil you know the, the evil entity was getting to his psyche making him believe that he was the, he was the mother and she was the mother and it's a child basically pretending to be the mother and and, and trick, you know, play with his emotions. And that's that's really what I felt, <laughs> you know? Every time I talked to her, it was feeling like warfare, like we were fighting uh, the last the last uh, episode I had with her. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I was kidding, but I wasn't really kidding. So that I wanted to say, but so we want to just conclude this episode, guys, um, into how to leave the psychopaths right Is how to protect way? yourself how to protect ourselves and then leave them mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah the fourth way of how to uh, protect yourself specifically speaking to your situation with your mom uh turn the conversation back onto them hold them accountable and we spoke about that earlier in the episode with um for the first half of the child's life the parent must be responsible for their upbringing the second half, they must be able to be held accountable for what they didn't do the first half. Now, nobody's perfect. Nobody wants you to be perfect. <laughs> but as humans, we must be able to have space when our child says, oh, my God, that really hurt me. And you need to know about that. And I think in the parent-child attachment with a psychopath, there is none of that. So that's where our problems began early on. So basically, turn the conversation back on to them. And based on how they hold themselves accountable, you will know who you're dealing with. And number five, opt for online communication before a face-to-face or I agree. a telephone conversation. I recommend online communication, words. Yeah. That's all that's necessary because all we're trying to do is communicate here. Well, and the thing is too, is to have some sort of... Uh... Uh, foot, uh, leave your bread, bread, breadcrumbs or footprints because paper you have trail. to have some sort of uh, paper like, trail. take the paper trail. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, so leave a paper trail because they're going to use the words that you said out loud against you, right? But if you have it on written form in a text or in an email or the letter, you know, for those that are still writing letters, you have it, you have the physical evidence to mm-hmm. prove the court 
Like, this is what I said to her. Here's the text. And this is what she sent back. And this is what came back. And you know what I'm saying? Like, have your paper trail. Yeah, because that's what we're dealing with at this point. You're making that paper trail for the court so they can get prosecuted, period. Yeah. Because the back and forth at home, at the workplace, banter back and forth, that's a dance that needs to stop before someone ends up dead or in jail or hurt in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. We're trying to save lives here. We're trying to get them the help that they deserve and that they need and also survive. So we right. can once and for all sever that connection between victimhood and mm -hmm. survivor. Because once you've realized you're a victim, you are surviving. Once you survive, you can grow, you can thrive, you can move forward now. But you have to be able to survive the attacks from victimhood. Yeah. And that leads me to discuss how to leave a psychopath. Once you've done all of that stuff, once you've recognized the triggers, once you've recognized the narcissistic aspect of them, once you've realized how to protect yourself, how do you leave? How do you leave? And for my own path for my own uh, life, what I've done is, these are things I've done. For instance, there is no special procedure to this because every situation's messy. How do you leave somebody who has kept control, coercive control, manipulation on top of you under their fingertip? How do you leave somebody like that? Just know that they don't love you and they won't miss you. Do not let your emotions get in the way of you leaving. That's why you're there. You are a supply for their system. They won't miss you and they don't care. They don't love you. Remember that. Also, they won't force you to stay because again, they will find somebody else. So don't stay there at an obligation because you've missed them because you spent 20 years trauma bonding. Because remember, these aren't relationships. These are trauma bonds. You are bonded to this person because of trauma, not because you're relating. Because if you're in a relationship, you relate, they relate. Listeners, viewers, do not forget that. A relationship means you are relating to the other person, not bonded. You're not bonded. You're not brought together. Relationships are this. Bonding is this. Mm -hmm. Also, I, I want to add that their need for dominance, power, and control will start to rear its ugly three-headed position once they see a change in your behavior. Never forget that. That's where fawning might become your best defense when it comes to on your way out. And they won't know the difference because that's the psychopath's weakness. They can't tell the difference. They don't know. Why? Because they don't feel anything. They don't care. So if they cared, then they'd know that there's something going on there. All they recognize is that there's a difference in behavior and they will act upon the dominance, control, and power of the situation, okay? I also like to say, get the law involved and be, relent be relentless in the urgency. Yeah. When you get the law, especially when you're a woman, actually, you know what, when you're a man, because men typically are overlooked in this situation. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that later, but Men or women, whatever you, however you identify as, go get 
law enforcement on your side and stay on them and let them know the urgency of your situation, okay? Get a restraining order, whether they think it works or not, whether you think it works or not. Get something in writing that says, I want this motherfucker to stay away from me, period, okay? Also, go no contact. Going no contact means no phone calls, no texts, no social media. Just, just go with that until they get bored or decide to move on. They yeah. will. Because remember from what I said from above, they don't love you. They don't care about you. They just want their supply. They want something to control. They won't miss you because they don't care about you. Can I add to that? Because absolutely. I, the fear that I always had, and I, you probably can relate or people that are listening can relate. You always believe that the minute you leave, the minute you leave is when they're gonna, you know, crumble down and, and end up in, in the hospital or end up in the hospice or or die, you know, because you don't you don't supply them anymore. If they're narcissistic, and, if they're narcissistic, psychopaths remember don't okay. care. Okay. Then I'm confused. But my point is, um, mm-hmm. The fear is no longer there. Like, I don't fear that anymore because I know that I'm going to find out one way or another because, you know, the flying monkeys are going to tell me. So don't, no matter what happens, you're going to be informed. Trust me. Yes. Uh, if, you have a, if you have one person you can trust in your, in your relatives uh, section or family, if you consider them family, then trust me, they're going to tell you. You're going to find out one way or another. And even then, you could shut them off and go no contact. See, you're talking to somebody who has cut off two families. Yeah. There is no contact. And I haven't done it before a reason. I haven't done it because I still have a lot lot of things in common. Like, you know, I used to have a joint account. I used used to Mm -hmm. have bills together. We, We, you know, we have, my mom and I had more, so many things that were jointed and were enmeshed together. So it was really hard to break all of that. And I'm still working on it. And that's what I want to talk about, because a lot of us don't have that luxury to leave the way I did. Right. So if if a person finds themselves in a position and this goes on to how to leave as well, if a person, let's see. If it's a dangerous relationship, okay, if it's a dangerous person, if it's a familial situation, you got to take the safest route possible. And that is unique and individual to every person. Right. Okay. Just, just remember that you know them better than anybody. You know them better than anybody and you know yourself more so. And so I have faith that people will use their, their, their logic and their reason to navigate through these highly difficult and antagonistic relationships and bonds. Okay, when you when we start to lean towards narcissism, it's more of a relationship as we classically know it, because they actually care. Why? Because they're very shameful and very rageful whenever they're not regulating their emotions. So they care. They do. You just don't supposed to know. You don't supposed to know that they care. Now, if they're vulnerable, they will use their care against you and manipulating you into giving them more supply. We will talk about more of that next week. Yeah, on the narcissism. As opposed to as opposed to a psychopath who ha- who clearly has no, Don't no care. Uh, remorse at all. <laughs> no remorse, no guilt. They have no shame. They have no 
care whatsoever. They are actually, they might not even notice that you're gone, especially if you sneak out. Oh, you're gone. Okay. Well, they'll have somebody on the back burner because that's how they are. They collect people. Yeah. Wow. It becomes the victim's responsibility to now realize how they were victimized so they can survive now. Now that they've survived, they can thrive, they can grow, they can move on. And that's the purpose of how to leave a, psych- a psychopath. Right. Because once you're, once they see you or watching them, if they do, I don't think they will because they don't have that, that part of their, that part of that nervous system. They, they can see it. Yeah. And that's your best defense. They have, no, they have no emotional, uh, they can't compass. read that. Right. Like they don't read, they don't read emotional compass. So they, they can't really tell when you're hurting or when you're right. angry or when you're, uh, uh, sad or, right. you know, they cannot read that. I they, guess. they do it. They do it differently. Yeah. Because they still get angry, but not for the same reasons we do. Right. <laughs> so, you know, in a way we have the, the upper hand because we, yes. you know, as uh, children of survivors, I guess, of the enmeshment or the uh, psychopaths. <laughs> it might be. And see, that's, the thing, about, that's the thing about diagnosis. They might be, but based on the patterns, we really don't know what they were like from age zero to 15. But based on the patterns of their adulthood, give or take, it, I feel like we're leaning a little bit more towards uh, secondary narcissism. But there are some psychopathic, AKA antisocial tendencies. That's why these cannot be used interchangeably because it just may be an antisocial person. They may not be psychopathic. They may be able to feel, they just may not be accustomed to being around people. It just depends on the patterns of who they were as children. Because remember, psychopaths are born. Yeah, and they were children too. I mean, and they still are in a way. Emotionally, they're still, children it depends on who you talk to i can see i can see how they're immature uh, emotionally that is they just don't they don't regulate emotions because they don't have any <clears throat> okay psychopaths don't right psychopaths okay yeah remember right. they don't care they don't understand it they don't comprehend it they're as a as people, as the kids would say now, they're not built like that. They're just not okay. built that way. They're not built to understand how you feel. Right. They don't nurture. They are a force of fucking nature. Right. How they, sad. How they sad. Run, it is sad. In our human world, that shit's sad. <laughs> it's a roller coaster dealing with them, and they don't care. They'll be on a roller coaster sitting there. They they'll be in their meta no they'll be in the roller coaster in their metaverse. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Totally, totally lonely, totally lonely and alone and uh, upset and and angry and sad and then you know joined by other sad people who are just like them in that roller coaster in the yeah. in the metaverse. You know, I've been I, I, I'm a Libra, so I'm on an emotional roller coaster every five minutes. So whenever I encounter people who just give me that type attitude, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go now because I don't think you even know I'm here and they don't. Yeah. They have no idea. They're like I said, they're here to do what they're here to do. 
So who knows what they're going to do? Right. So the last thing I would like to discuss on psychopathy is the aftermath of the confrontation. Okay. So the first thing about that, the first thing to consider after the aftermath is to know that there's a difference between empathy and understanding with yourself, with how to deal with yourself. You can understand them. You can have empathy for them. Just know that you must radically accept that they don't have any of that for you. Mm. And only you know that because it's your situation. It's, it's your bond that you had with them. And in some of our cases, it's a relationship. We may think we had a relationship, but it's a bond that they had with us because they're not relating to us. We relate to them, but it's going nowhere. Number two, educate yourself. Constantly research. If there's anything I can tell anybody for the rest of their life, if you remember nothing I said, remember this. Educate yourself. Study. Learn who you are up against. Educate yourself, guys. Educate yourself. Dr. Susan Forward has another great book called Emotional Blackmail. That's a wonderful book. Oh, my God. She also has a book called Mothers Who Don't Know How to Love Their Daughters. Fantastic book. Mm. Um, they don't and remember that those psychopathic people are not going to get therapy. Don't tell them that they need therapy. They're not going to get it. They don't even know what you're talking about. They are, like I said, they are ordered by the court. They are ordered by the authorities to do it as part of a program so they can figure out what they're dealing with. Mm. Ted Bundy, Charlie Manson, these right. people, these people were studied. Number three, inform the people closest to you, i.e. your support system. We sort of talked about this earlier. Tell your support, if you have one, tell your support system and make sure your support system is supporting you. Right. Oh, you need to get over it. Oh, but it's your mom. Oh, but it's your brother. You don't want to. No. Dog whistle. That's a dog whistle to me. Dog whistle. They need to cut the crap because there's a difference between love and abuse. There's a difference between irresponsibility and responsibility. There's a difference between childhood and adulthood. When people cannot show up for you and tell you that you need this to make themselves feel good because they're following societal rules, they need to be cut because you're trying to survive. You are putting your victimhood in perspective and you're trying to understand what to do now so you don't die. If you've survived, you've done everything you could to get out that situation to now live your life. Yeah. That's a, that is a dog whistle. I get very triggered myself when I talk about that. Num number four, tell your employer and tell your employees. It's always nice to have a cushion when you're at work because when you're at work, you're in public. You don't know who's coming in through the front door. I used to work retail for years. I was a customer service supervisor. I've said a lot of things that pissed off people. They could have came back in the door and showed me how much they didn't like what I said to them. So I've always have had my managers, my management team, and always had my staff always keep an eye. And as I did for them, in case somebody or some people came into the store and tried to hassle us, always have somebody watching your back when you're in a psychopathic relationship. And number yeah. five, the last thing, if you're alone, like I was, move quickly, stay educated and move quicker and get smart for fuck's sakes. <laughs> get yeah. smart because once you realize you're in that trap, excuse me, when you realize you're in that situation, it becomes a trap. You have the key because you know how you got in. And if you don't know how you got in, apply all of these tools that we've shared 
And then you'll see, you'll start to see the confrontation reveal itself. The mask will slip and then you will see exactly who you've been sleeping to at night, next to at night. Journaling, journaling is my secret, guys. Journaling is great. Do it every day. Yeah, even if you have nothing to say to yourself. Yeah, and you don't have to be in the mood to journal. Those are the best, those are the best moments to write. <laughs> That's right. When you can't talk to anybody else, talk to yourself. I don't know what to write about. And then you five pages later, you're, five pages later, you're like, wow, I did actually have a lot to say. What helps moment. me is I keep writing. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. Eventually, I'll say I fucking hated that sandwich. That sandwich had too much mustard, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something I drank too much. You. I drank too much that one night. I'm still hungover four days later, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, there's five numbers in my phone. How did they do that? Did I do that? I'm giving a lot. <laughs> I'm spilling some tea on my right. own history. Don't do but that. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've check out my own social media platform if you, you want to know yeah. the tea. The link is below, guys. The link is below. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, writing is a is a wonderful processing tool. Yeah, not only writing but reading it because I, when I used to write, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, there was a whole thing that I was doing for my mom one time. Mm -hmm. I was writing her a little one of those little um, like a little travel size uh, notebook with love letters to her. Right. Oh. I never I never gave it to her. I don't even want to read that because it's going to be so triggering. I know mm -hmm. I know that five years ago, six years ago, I was a different person. I was not I was Victor. Right. I wasn't Italo back then. So now that I understand what I was doing, if I ever get that again in my hand and read it. Guys, that's. You see what you were, where you were in the in that time, and, that, and at the time, that's what that's what you knew. That's what you thought was was you were doing the best thing for her, or you were loving her. You were showing your her your affection, mm -hmm. and she was gonna, gonna toss it away or or keep it. Or who knows? I'm Next glad time. I never turned it in though. <laughs> Next week's episode, we will dive into a lot of what you're talking about right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I wrote myself, I wrote a, a book of poetry that became, I think if we could see it, that thick, right there, yeah, that thick. It, it takes me back to this very, very, uh, I was a, very much in a high state and I was also very much in a drunk state when I was writing a lot of the stuff. And it takes me back to where my mind was in a very confused um, state of mind at that time period when I was going through something similar to what you're talking about five years ago. I completely understand. We have to clarify our minds. We have to dust bust our psychology every once in a while, clean this out so we can see who we are and what we're going to do about it. Right. And don't beat yourself up because I, I beat myself up every time that I, you know, I step back or I think about her again, or I'm like, well, she's, you know, she's still my mom, or I feel sorry for her, or should I call, you know, those, those, are, those thoughts are going to come. Next time you think that, ask yourself, who protected you when you were a child? Yeah. 
Who protected you for the, the first 18 years, especially the first eight years? Who was there for you? Me. Did, did you matter? Weren't you worth protecting? Those are, those are good questions. Remember to ask yourself that sometimes. Now, yeah. see, that's, that's inner child work. That's self-parenting. Not that reparenting crap. <laughs> I'm talking about self-parenting where you yourself become your own parent. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing about that, now that you're talking about inner child, um, one time I was, I, I think I told you this before, um, I was trying to do it, you know, a picture of myself in this, in the, in this, um, on this hill that I used to go to when I was a kid to fly kites, because I knew my inner child would be there, right? And I found my inner child, and I tried to talk to him, right? Um, but he didn't feel safe with me. Oh, yeah. He wasn't talking to me. And that's the, the, the truest version of yourself. That's, if, you, if he doesn't want to talk to you or she doesn't want to talk to you, there's something you got to do about you because you can be trusted. I couldn't that's be trusted right. with, with my, he, he couldn't trust me with his uh, memories or his thoughts, you know? And now, now that it's clear to me, it's like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't trust myself either. That's right. Because we get so lost in trying to take care of people who should have been taking care of us a long time ago that we forget that very person that everybody has forgot. Right. Because you never spoke about for your for the child. You never said stop. You never said no. You never said anything. Sometimes you step quiet. So the kid is like, well, you never protected me before. So how can I trust you now? That's can right. you prove it? Can you prove it to me? <laughs> prove some it. Of us, some of us go through substance abuse, like myself. I went through a years of substance abuse to silence those voices that my child was basically screaming at me. I would have to numb myself so I wouldn't hear my inner child. Yeah, we get out We get out still- the topic because uh, addictions is diff- it's a it's a motherfucker. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> It, it really is. And self-medication, that, that's a dark, thorny path. That path well, is full of thorns. I learned there's different kinds of addictions, like sexual addiction, food addiction. Love, um, love addiction. Love addiction. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Addicted to love. Addicted to love is a song from the 80s. <laughs> I love the 80s. Yeah. Those are the best years. So these are the worst years, depends on how you look at it. Depends on how you look at it. That, that's when our social media craze really began with a personal computer. And that's a whole other nerdy conversation. Yeah. But I do want to say that everything we're discussing, all, all of this is the aftermath of what happens after you leave such a deadly connection with someone. All this stuff comes up. And you begin enjoying yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying my own company. Yeah. Yeah, get to if, if you don't like hanging out with you, who how are you supposed to expect anybody else to like hanging out with you? Exactly. I enjoy my being my rides, my rides are awesome. Yeah, we I had so much fun yesterday. We had a karaoke party oh. in my in my car <laughs> with, a, with a, it was amazing. It was you know what? I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm enjoying life and I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm just enjoying myself. If I had to drive back 
at home uh, by myself for an hour. Let's crank it up. <laughs> Thriving. Thriving. Thriving, yes. <laughs> thriving and thriving. <laughs> yes, thriving and driving. <laughs> All right, so what's next, uh, Joshua? Since we, I think we, is there anything else you want to add to uh, Psychopath? I think Maybe? that's it. I think um, anybody out there who hasn't had, who's been fortunate to not have, an, not to have had an experience with these type of individuals, if you like horror films, you know exactly who they are. Yeah. She can spin her head all she wants, but... <laughs> we, we, have, get we have Reagan McNeil from The Exorcist. We have um, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We have Fred Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street series. We have Ghostface from Scream, Michael Myers from Halloween. We have all these people in, yeah. the, in the monster world. Because you know we love who we love to hate because we, mm -hmm. we love to hate them. We just want to watch them. People, people have celebrated these, these entities because I think that deep down, everybody has that fear and we all deal with that fear in different ways. And I think that it's interesting. I think it's interesting that we had a monstrous society that became the person next door in the 70s and 80s with horror films, with slasher films specifically. Okay. The monster became next door. So there's some sort of odd commonality i think that comes with that like we it's can a fascination. it's a fascination actually it's, it's fascinating yeah. to watch to watch psychopaths or narcissists uh in action it's, it's just fascinating to me it is so next week or yeah i think we, i think we're doing it next week um i might be wrong but what's the next topic next topic is narcissism Okay, that, that I know. <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I come I, up with new I think terms. you know. I think you know. <laughs> well, it's, it's such a popular topic, so... Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. Who doesn't know a narcissist nowadays? Uh, and with that, guys, we call it a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure that you seek help if you need to talk to a friend. Um, a psychologist would be a preferable or a therapist or uh, 911 sometimes 911 yeah. is just hey I don't know <laughs> yeah if you don't, if, if you don't know what to do contact a suicide hotline you don't have to be suicidal just call someone to let them know that you need some assistance you need some help and like I said be urgent and be consistent because a lot of people don't know the severity of these type of abusive relationships. It's still something that's rarely talked about. Right. True. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you, Joshua, for coming in. This has been uh, very intellectual, very um, interesting episode, I think. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the next one. Me too. I'm ready. Okay. You didn't see this coming, guys. We are go for liftoff in T-minus 30. Hit the recording button.